Welcome back to season two of Design Huddle. It's 2021, new year, new us. Let's get it. We welcome a new host, a new co-host, Mustafa. He is a UX designer for Google Chrome. He has over 20 years of design experience. I could not be more excited to have him on board. He has a ton of stories and tips for everyone. He'll keep you entertained and coming back for more. And in today's episode, it's packed as always. We're talking McDonald's packaging and redesign, how influencers are, pursu- are pursuing the perfect Instagram selfie, are endangering wildlife, and also the carbon footprint of your website. It's a packed episode. Let's get into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bang, bang, back at it again. New episode of Design Huddle. New co-host. Who's on the other Hello, line? Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, hi, my name's Mustafa. I'm a UX designer on Google Chrome. And I'm here with Ryan. Yeah. Huddling. We're huddling. Talking about design. Well, welcome. We're excited to have you. Can you give everyone a little bit more about your design background? Because I think you're being very modest with your <laughs> minimal intro of UX designer on Chrome. <laughs> no, I'm being very British, where we're not supposed to really talk about sort of how, because you know, <laughs> bragging is always seen as a, but it's quite opposite in America. It's like you're expected to otherwise that sort of suspect. So 20 years UX designer, I've gone through the iteration of job titles, starting off as a webmaster, transitioning into web designer, trying to UX designer, UX designer. I've worked across lots of different disciplines from the third sector, which is basically the charity sector, what they call, so it's like NGOs, whatever, in the early part of my career, then moving on to uh, publishing, so I've worked on in, in some capacity with every single major newspaper in the UK. Uh, finance, which was an interesting period of time, um, and then science academia. Now um, in, in sort of the tech industry for the last six years now, almost five and a half years, or well, five and a bit years. Um, so yeah, designing a variety of different things for different people. Yeah, I love it. Most- super, super excited to have you hosting Design Huddle with me. We're gonna do. We're gonna stick to the normal. Uh, flow that we've been doing lately, which is we'll hit on some tech, we'll hit on some design, and down the road, we are going to start to interview some of our creative professional friends, ranging from, you know, artists, designers, uh, content creators, and everything in between. So more to that to come. But in the meantime, we got some pretty, pretty awesome topics today. So we're going to talk about McDonald's and the Burger King, both did redesigns very close to each other. We'll talk about some trends um, from both of these, get our initial reactions on on these. And we'll also talk about who has the better burger. Um, <laughs> then there's a burger, popular... burger King, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we're going to quickly t- move over to the social media world where influencers um, are endangering apes. They're taking dangerous photos and there's concerns that influencers are passing uh, COVID-19 to endangered species. So uh, in case you didn't think 2021 was wild enough, we'll get into that. And then um, a really cool, uh, we'll end with 
um, the carbon footprint of our website. Basically, like people, there's a lot of companies that are green, um, but sometimes we don't think about the impact of the websites and the web technologies that we use. So this is a really, really interesting article that we'll kind of go through to talk about how one company uh, took a look at their website's carbon emissions um, and their, what they're going to do to fix it. So packed episode. Let's dive right into it. Absolutely. McDonald's so, launch. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think of this? I actually was really impressed with this very graphical um, graphical take. I mean, I, I think from seeing some of the design trends this year so far, I mean, we've only like two, well, this is the second month in, but um, it seems like we've flat design but not quite flat design where flat design to me was always like this trend where it's an applied effect like someone adding a photoshop filter where right. like mcdonald's redesign and also Birkins, which we'll go into in a bit it feels like a considered thing very simplistic the colors the slight subtlety in it and the very playfulness i mean i, I it makes me hungry which I, I, this which is obviously a good thing <laughs> yeah i'm always i'm always a little hesitant when i see classic brands like mcdonald's like the golden arches iconic the logo obviously hasn't changed and if you're if you're obviously we're talking about something very visual so if you're um, for everyone listening and not watching this episode um it, it flat you flat design is what i would describe it's also very minimal and they're using yeah. a lot more um i would say like pastel colors um yeah. a lot more uh vibrant colors is another way of describing it but the packaging kind of is pretty cool and i actually like how minimal it is i actually think that ties back to um uh, like the fried containers are super cool the big mac container basically has a bun a small piece of lettuce the burger cheese and another bun so it's like very easy to see and it's like when you open it up you're getting like a you know a, a visual representation of what's inside so yeah. uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, like this is like I, we're seeing more and more of this like bold, um, you know, bold fonts and like this, these vibrant colors are kind of making a comeback as well. Um, but I think they did a good job overall. I would say I, I am in favor of this despite them being a classic brand. Yeah, like the approach. I mean, well, flat design always looked to me like, uh, like Andy Warhol's very screen print esque style, and you can kind of see that this may have been an influence because it's very simplistic, like block graphicy. I mean. Well, if you uh, visit the agency who designed it, Pearl Fisher, their website probably tells the story a bit better. In a sense, when you see the animation, it's really, really cool how they actually designed the packaging. So it's like every packaging is also part of an animation. And what you see on the packet is like the last frame or the last state. So in a sense, you appreciate the redesign more when you see where the animation started. And this is right. like the last frame. Um, so that might be lost on people, like not seeing the full context of it. Um, but like what they Pearl Fisher was focusing on was like 60 million interactions that people have every day with a McDonald's brand. And they wanted to capture these small little moments. So I think like the egg McMuffin, it just looks really cute. Like it's just really, really cool. And like, like the fries. Um, but yeah, this is always the danger of big brands doing a, a rebrand because you're always going to uh, upset someone. But, you know, I, I think it's quite bold. Um, and yeah, I, think it'll really land, simplistic. I, I would imagine it's going to land fairly well. I also don't think it's like, there's nothing controversial. It's just like, I think it's pretty aesthetically pleasing. Um, in the article that we're, you know, we're referencing is from a uh, creative review, but McDonald's, I'll, I'll just read a quick a bit from it, but McDonald's has teamed up with an independent design agency, Pearl Fisher to redesign the brand's global packaging system. 
So that's like the, also the rebrand is focusing on like the physical products packaging. I don't know if we hit on that yet, but the focus is on bold graphics system that aims to bring a sense of joy and ease. It uses a vector style of illustrations to represent different items on the fast food chain's menu. With over 60 million touch points every day, the goal was to make the packaging more connected of McDonald's playful point of view. The redesign is a move away from its previous packaging and design system, which featured prominent on-packet messaging and more typography, typographic approach. So that's the other thing that I think is the old uh, packaging was very uh, text heavy. This is very yeah. visual with the logo being the primary focus. Yeah, absolutely. The color, cool. I mean, when you see the, the, the McFlurry packaging though, like the logo is the last thing you actually see because it's very bold and pink and red. Um, and I remember just like from color psychology days when we were in university, they like said people are more likely to eat off pink and red plates. I've never validated whether that's true, but that was supposed, that was the thing that we were always told, or like babies get nervous in yellow rooms. So um, that the logo is slightly missing, but then obviously the context is these are like branded photographs. So, you know, they want to focus on like the brightness and the boldness of the colors. One thing it did remind me of, though, is in the UK, we have this uh, BBC cartoon called Dougie, or Hey Dougie. Interest, it's like really, really simplistic graphics. However, it's like the, the beauty is in the subtlety when they do reflections and just the slight colours and the movement. It's, it's amazing. It's also like designed in Flash still, which is quite funny. But graphically, it's very similar. And I just I find that like quite an interesting parallel. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's I really too bad. I, I'd be curious if that plate, <laughs> if that plate <laughs> study is validated. <laughs> Well, this was in the time, like in the 90s, where, you know, people say, you know, I reckon, and then they'll tell you about a spider that could bite you and impregnate eggs into your arm. Like It's like these things that people used to tell each other in college where you couldn't really prove it and you could get away with it at parties. But now Wikipedia basically killed um, all those. Um, <laughs> yeah, which those obviously things. I think is more of a blessing um, now. But <laughs> not to my conversations in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's transition over to Burger King. So. It's kind of odd that Burger King recently went through a rebrand as well. So um, this is a quick uh, snippet from It's Nice That. So the Burger King rebrand celebrates its design history um, and personality. The fast food chain's first redesign in over 20 years brings back a 60s logo and introduces a brand font inspired by the shape of its burgers with a rich new color palette to create a more digital friendly identity. Um, this one, I, my initial reactions, I do not like this as much. It definitely, I didn't realize this was sixties. I originally, when I saw the text, I thought more seventies, but I guess yeah. it's kind of like the, <laughs> nothing says free love, like, uh, a burger <laughs> packed with preservatives. <laughs> Absolutely. That, I, I think this, this approach is the, the braver one of the two, I reckon, cause it's a bit more expressive. The typography is a lot more like when I saw this, uh, do you remember like the scene in the film Grease, the movie Grease? Yeah. Where like they're at the, the movies and they're, uh, I think John Travolta is singing and in the background there's like an ad from the movie theater. And it's like, you see this food dancing around as he's singing. It's very weird. But like that time period, you see the graphics there. This graphics, the visual style looks very similar to that drive-through uh, drive um, food yeah. style. So in terms of like, boldness and experimentalness is much more experimental than the mcdonald's one however the tones and the colors all seem too similar like when you look at see the graphics on it's nice that when they sort of combined it um it's much more expressive however yeah i think um although very similar in terms of like this is more this feels more cut out style where the mcdonald's one 
feels much more finished. However, this is a lot more experimental in comparison. Like you can see that they've 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 done some exploration. Also reminds me of like 1970s sort of like um, Cuban art in some respect. Like I had yeah. a, a book with like Cuban posters. You know that kind of posters from that era, like where screen printing was like the thing because people couldn't do digital printing. So you can see this kind of hand-drawn, reproduced, old-esque poster type thing there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it, other things that like, it, it like kind of uh, some other thoughts that when I first saw this was like, some of them seem like almost like child illustrations. Yeah. Like there's like pictures of like the lettuce and tomato and the bun. And it looks like, you know, a seven-year-old with some crayons kind of sketched it out. So I, I, I do appreciate the playfulness of it, right? They're making Burger King feel like approachable, like, Look at the history. Look at the fun. Like this is, you know, it's like supposed to be like, um, it's not rigid. It's like the, all the text is very free flowing, very like, I don't know, the, the, <laughs> the text, I cannot look at it or the typography, I cannot look at it and not think Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't <laughs> not. <laughs> well, if you go to like, it's nice that.com and like, if you scroll down, there's an actual, um, it's like free images of like, the website or the app on a phone yeah. and in the middle one they've drawn a hand that looks like it's a chip a fry dipping into ketchup and the hand just looks so weird now that you say like it's yeah i mean i get it it's it's kind of alluding to a style mm-hmm. i suppose the question is is when style over substance um i don't know I, I it's much more bolder in the sense that it's into experimental but uh what do we think? Which one do we prefer? I think we've kind of said that already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so let's give it on a score from one to ten with three factors in mind. I would say one is creativity, two is execution, and then three, uh, I would say, is the boldness. I, I like that as a factor where a lot of design can be stale. So I like yeah. to give kudos for brands that kind of step outside the box and try to make you know, trends their own or go totally different than what everyone else is doing. So you go first and then I'll give you mine. Um, so in terms of, I suppose, uh, as the first one, experimentalness, I guess, I think, I don't know, in a sense, McDonald's one, there's like beauty in the simplicity, like of the simplicity, there's always going to be layers and layers of complexity and consideration. Where if you just looked at it, it'd be like, yeah. But, you know, when you looked at um, cubist art, like from Picasso, it's like, oh, I could draw that. So no, the point of it was how simple can we make the shapes till they're still recognizable as human figurines? So in that respect, the McDonald's one is kind of bold, but yeah, I think in terms of creativity and the boldness, um, I'd say Burger King a bit. In terms of execution, McDonald's all the way. I think yeah. just the typography on its own for the Burger King one, it works in a poster on its own, but in the examples that they have of their apps, they have to change the size of the type for it to fit across the whole screen. And that just gives this very um, not considered afterthought effect to it. Maybe that's what they were going for because it's quite rough and ragged. Uh, I think overall the McDonald's one. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm on the same page. So I'm not even going <laughs> to... Your summary was pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I would go... McDonald's, I think, was like a seven and a half. I'd give Burger King closer to a six. Both are cool, yeah. but I think McDonald's landed better. I think it'll do better in terms of like um, everyone's reaction to it. But I think there's a common theme here is that everyone is trying to make their brands more Gen Z and more digital yeah. and more like brand friendly. 
So they have to ask themselves, like, is this a cool logo or a cool image to share on Twitter or Instagram, which is like a crazy way to think about, you know, brand design. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's like, will this package look great in an Instagram photo when someone's eating it, holding up the box? Um, which is an interesting, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, you can see that, that um, capturing moments, which again, the brand agency for um, McDonald's actually sort of eluded 60 million interactions and they want to capture these moments. So yeah, in a sense, that makes me like them less, more now. <laughs> it's like, I wanted this to be genuine because I remember as a kid, like going to McDonald's was like a treat. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to McDonald's. This is amazing. You know, like the Eddie Murphy stand-up routine. It's like, I'm going to McDonald's. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's... Interesting explorations. Yeah, so I'll uh, just to tie this up. Um, so from the design agency, it's inspired by the shapes of the restaurant's food, rounded, bold, yummy, continues the statement from BK and abruptly channels elements of the brand's tone of voice. Um, there's also an interview. They wanted a font that would make people want to take a bite out of it. We were also very playful and bold in how we use the new font. Um, there's a very vari a variable version uh, where we where they stretch and compress it to express oh, interesting more impactful in illustrations with it. So uh, very that's cool. cool. That's like the rich and bold. I think is a perfect way of summarizing the uh, the Burger King's design. You know, if they're exploring variable variable typography, they've they've gone up a, a star in my mind because that's like a new web tech thing, which I think will make typography on the web much more interesting. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, yeah. So that's on. Uh, it's nice that. And we'll start dropping in any link, you know, of the design trends or tech trends that we're talking about. We'll add in the show notes. So if you miss anything and you want to see the visual of what we're talking about, we'll make sure that we uh, add them. But uh, cool. So that, those are that was the first topic: McDonald's, Burger King redesigns, pretty cool stuff. So moving on to the world of social media, we had to talk about this because I thought it was so ridiculous. I did see this hashtag <laughs> on Instagram. Um, I'll, I'll read a brief description just to kind of set the scene because this is I don't think this is a very popular story, but um, it's becoming more popular. But basically, uh, this this uh, article referencing is from Input. It's called Going Ape. Uh, influencers, please don't give gorillas COVID-19. Humans taking selfies with endangered apes have been breaking health rules, according to a new study. So if you scroll through the gorilla trek king and the gorilla tracking hashtags on Instagram, you're, you are confronted with hundreds of all worthy pictures of people getting up close and personal with gorillas in Rwanda and the, Domin the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, but new research says too many people pursuing this perfect Instagram selfie are endangering the rare wildlife. And it's a threat that's become all more serious given the current ongoing uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, a newly published study of 858 photographs posted under two hashtags on Instagram between 2013 and 2019 shows that 86% of, of the photos broke rules that were already in place pre-pandemic that were designed to stop the spread of infectious disease from humans to animals. And more than two-thirds of the photographs, um, women got closer to the gorillas than men. Um, and they, in this uh, article, they show some of the photos and... One of them is a, is a picture of, I'm assuming, some sort of, uh, she's verified. So I would imagine uh, an Instagram influencer of some sort. And she's laying in a bed of greens or like, you know, a, a foresty area. And there has to be one, two, three, four, five, maybe six very large gorillas, maybe 10 to 15 feet uh, behind her. So this is just crazy. I think this is just like, you know, once every couple months, we get a new article about how influencers are 
you know, using their power for evil, not good. So you hate to see this. What's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, Brian. I don't even understand Instagram, to be honest. I feel like an old <laughs> man in this world. Like, I, I, I get to, I remember Instagram back in like 2012, where the whole purpose of it was like, oh, wow, I don't have to open up Photoshop to add these filters. And now it's, it's kind of morphed into this thing. Um, like, I think it's really cool that we, we're living in a time where people can be independent and make their own um, money and stuff and be really creative in the way that they do that and that this is actually a whole industry. But this the cynicism and the sort of black mirror-esque-ness is when we're getting to these type of uh, people doing selfies with gorillas. And, and I've seen, like, one of my, um, uh, I suppose, uh, little vices is going on Quora and reading all these random questions that people post and random answers from experts around the world. And people talk about gorillas being really peaceful. Uh, there was this video I saw of this little girl who was, like, banging on her chest, and the gorilla... And at a zoo, and the gorilla just charged out the window and broke it. And thought, I'm never messing with a gorilla again. <laughs> these things are huge, and it's yeah. like the boldness of it. And it's like you're going into like this, these, you know, in some cases endangered species um, environment, and it's almost you're taking for granted. I mean, what again? I'm going to sound like such an old man. Why don't you just enjoy the moment, yeah. watching the animal rather than capturing the fact that you were there and you being there was more important than the animal itself. And also, yeah. it's dangerous, like like animals like flu can transfer from animals like different species of animals you could end up causing a really really bad thing um uh, yeah i just i find this kind of irresponsible also like irresponsible (laughs) is absolutely the first word that came to mind for me too well a couple of weeks ago on like uh uk sort of daytime tv like breakfast morning uh television like in the uk influencers have been uh flying out to dubai because it's less covid like uk is quite bad right now um in terms of the covid and so you have a lot of influencers, and influencers was was on live TV saying, you know, I'm actually a key worker because I'm influencing and and uh, inspiring people. And this influencer was like sitting in front of a pool with like <laughs> with like t- with all these like lovely drinks and food, and the, the the host just started laughing, going, "Are you serious?" And this guy is like his name's uh, Philip Schofield, really really old uh, TV personality, and he's he's known for just being straight and keep professional. And he just started laughing, goes, "I can't believe I'm I'm, I'm hearing this right now." So. Maybe this is going to help buck the trend of influences, which is, I don't know. Yeah, good I just think, for us. so like, listen, no, like not, not trying to come across as a hater. Like, like, like you said, more power to you. If you can create content and make a life, make that your, your livelihood, more power to you. I just think with this power and with this uh, social clout um, comes great responsibility. And sometimes we see these, you know, TikTokers, Instagrammers, YouTubers fly to the top of the charts that have this suddenly have the reach and this audience that they're not used to. And sometimes the decisions they're making, they don't realize the the gravity. So we see this time and time again. Um, so I think like the summary here is like, of course, right? Like this is of course what happens when, you know, influencers, you know, want to get a cool shot or a cool photo. The thing that I think the person, the, the group that really takes the hit here, what I was also thinking about is one of like my, I remember growing up and like some of my favorite, you know, early photography was from the print magazines of like Nat Geo. We used to have them like in our library at school. And um, they were just like unbelievable photos. And I always like, like remember looking through them being like, how is it possible that someone was able to, you know, capture this crazy shot, you know, of a, you know, a grizzly bear, like catching, you know, a fish out of a, out of a moving river. So it's like, 
that's an example. So I think like for all the people that these, uh, you know, environmentalists and, you know, people that are professional uh, photographers that photograph, you know, especially ones that are photographing endangered species, this is just a hit to what they do, right? Because they're constantly being respectful of the environments they're in. And then you have someone with, you know, uh, you know, uh, the newest smartphone that's trying to replicate it. And to be honest with you, the photos do look incredible. Like I'm scaling, like I'm clicking through and like some of the shots, like the filters, you know, you can see every grain of hair on these gorillas. So they're super cool. Um, so yeah, the takeaway here, it's pretty irresponsible. Like I see both sides of it. I think the main takeaway is it's like, you can enjoy nature, you know, without, you know, (laughs) I mean, I would I would say this. I mean, if it's the case where they're bringing attention to something that's happening in the world, you know, sometimes conservations are not taken care of, uh, you know, animal poaching or something like that, then I think the, sometimes those influencers are actually taking really bold and brave steps because they're going to environments where they don't necessarily understand the cultural norms and they're potentially risking themselves or their crew doing this. But when it seems very superficial, it comes across as that. But then, you know, I mean... Again, like you said, we don't want to come across as hating because we we secretly want to take pictures next to gorillas, <laughs> but we can't. So, um, you know, I mean, I would just say if you really want that, just go to a zoo. But then I, I think I'm the old man here, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, zoos, don't forget zoos exist. But um, yeah, that was a cool one. We'll link this one out. Um, yeah, and I just like one last, just to kind of like put a bow on this one is that... Um, you know, thousands of people are visiting these gorillas, you know, every year. Um, it's a big business and they, there aren't many left. There's only around a thousand worldwide. So they're so genetically similar to us as humans that they can easily catch the same diseases as us. So we've been talking just about like, you know, going in, you know, going closer to their habitats. But now we're also talking about a global pandemic where, you know, social distancing has been something that we probably are tired of hearing of at this point. But um, some of these photos are just super close. So you can imagine that we don't want to be passing this to other animals, you know, as well as other people. So I think the COVID-19 and the pandemic piece on top of, you know, the issues that from the past is just like a recipe for disaster. So, um, there has been updated rules where there's a minimum of seven meters, which is 23 feet. Um, that's how much distance you have to keep between yourself and the wildlife. Um, that was a rule in the democratic Republic of Congo, and it's also mandatory to wear a face mask, um, very similar to where it is to be, you know, in, uh, wherever you are, especially if you're around people. So um, it's good to see that the countries are taking steps because this is obviously big tourism with big money associated with it. What was interesting, actually, in the article, it did allude to that wearing masks was a, a thing that they did previously. So it's like that culture of wearing masks to protect the wildlife has been something which, again, is like, yeah, it makes sense. Like in certain countries, the mask wearing has been much more prevalent like historically, but um, I, it, it didn't occur to me. But in, in some positives, people are more are more inclined to wear it, where apparently in the article, they uh, some tourists really were against wearing the mask, but now they are. So, you know, I suppose there is some positives here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'd be very cautious about spreading viruses into ape environments because that's how Planet of the Apes started. And I'm pretty sure that's what will happen. <laughs> yeah, so, that, yeah, this could quickly get into a sci-fi movie, like very quickly. Um, Absolutely. All right, sweet. Let's move into the last topic, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, being I think you might have a little bit more context here, being the uh, some of your background in performance and like you know how the, the cost of running websites and you know the energy associated with it. But 
but basically, this this article covers the carbon footprint of our websites will no longer be pushed to the back of our minds. Um, we're shocked to learn that uh, is it called is it pronounced Dizen? I think it's a design, yeah. Because like, so it's, um, it's, it's a design magazine, so I suppose they're trying to be hip. Yeah, decent. Yeah, has <laughs> sorry, been sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so de- yeah, it's a de- <laughs> so they've been ranked last in survey of websites um, in terms of carbon mi- uh, emissions. Um, they mentioned that they're determined to improve. Says the founder, the editor in chief. Um, they basically announced that they have a guilty secret. While Dizen has long championed sustainable architecture and design, we've recently become aware that our own carbon footprint is pretty bad. The internet uh, is far from green. Loading pages, watching videos, participating in video calls, and sending emails all require plenty of energy. So in addition, the devices we use to access the web, they naturally will create pollution. Um, But with all the recent focus on environment villains, including flying and concrete, um, the internet has gotten off lightly. So even though communication technologies is on course to be one of the biggest carbon producers from any country apart from India, China, and the US by 2025. Um, so basically the website is saying that we're aware of it um, and we want to fix it. And I believe they have a t- they have some sort of a site on here where you can, yeah. So there's a link on this article, which will link um, that you can calculate your carbon footprint. Um, and basically the, the article goes through um, ways to calculate how wasteful your uh, web website is. And I think this is like summarizing this is that being thoughtful of how your website loads is not only good for the page experience and the user experience, but it's also just good for the environment. I mean, yeah. I'd love to get your take here because this is definitely, you know, your, yeah, so your realm what, of expertise. What was interesting is design have been known to be very like um, highlighting environmental issues and they focus on design and architecture in their publication. So they were called out by a third party who did like use the website called websitecarbon.com where you can actually put in your URL of your website and it gives you an, you know, an estimate of how much right. um, CO2 your website's produced based on uh, the heaviness of the page, the amount of pages, the images and all those different things. So, yeah, I mean, this was actually quite interesting. I've known about like um, the ethics about how much a website costs. Again, there's another website called whatdoesmywebsitecost.com, which again tries to... Uh, demonstrate that worldwide people's phone packages are not necessarily relative to their earnings. Like in some more, um, I suppose, next billion users or third world countries, as might commonly known, uh, 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 internet packages or like a white or uh, internet in general is quite expensive relative to their earnings. And so it's, uh, so we've always been inclined to try and optimize our websites, especially like images, because images make up about 53% of the, he- of the weight of a page. And so if there's any one small thing that you can do on your website is just reduce images, image file size. And that's really easy to do. Uh, there's like so many tools, like there's an app which I built called Scrooge.app. Uh, that's Scrooge spelled S-Q-U-O-O-S-H.app. Again, I'm not trying to just sell my own stuff. There's like tinypng.com. And there's a whole bunch of other, like if you just put into any um, image compression into any, like any search engine, you'll get like uh, really simple things, uh, simple ways to actually just reduce the impact of your site. And it's it's usually lossless compression. Yeah, so the image looks the same. I think that's the important piece. When people think image compression or video compression, they think loss of quality, and that's not necessarily... Yeah, so if you want to play, like, if you open up a, a JPEG into a text editor, what you'll see is at the top of the, you know, matrix S code would be some of the data about the image. So you might actually have a, a latitude, longitude, like 
to where the image was taken. So a lot of these tools, what they do is they strip out all the unnecessary data, so you actually save file size without losing quality. That's the first thing they'll do. Um, just as an aside, if you want to do that and you start just deleting bits of code, you can actually create some really effective, like fun little uh, Photoshop-esque um, effects of the image because you're just basically removing data or just copy and paste and moving around. But um, just going back to, I suppose, website carbon, I mean, these things are quite easy or straightforward to do. I think, especially if you're a designer who doesn't code much or you're handing over images to like uh, your engineer or if you're in marketing and you're handing over to you're uploading to like an e-commerce site or whatever um just this one small thing you can do can have like a huge reduction and like i've seen like really big companies just apply simple um image optimization techniques onto their site and reduce their weight by 83 percent because our camera phones or whatever take yeah, a lot wild. of data which is unnecessary because it's basically metadata which is clogging up a lot of stuff um and again it's, it's so easy to do uh Whenever you produce any kind of image, you can do this. And I think there's two aspects and elements here. It's like how much my site costs relative to the world. I mean, that's an important thing because data does mm -hmm. cost people money. And also just the CO2 um, considerations. Because, uh, you know, I, there's, a, there's a thing here of like performance and ethical considerations. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, we have to be rich to be ethical because of the choices we make. But this is one of those occasions where I think... Um, small changes that we and ourselves can make can actually have, you know, really big impactful changes to everyone else around the world. So that's that. Yeah. I mean, that's a brilliant, brilliant summary. Um, and to, to the point on um, um, images, the D's in the company that basically is calling themselves out that we need to be better. They actually found to your point, their biggest yeah. issue was images. They had over 75,000 or sorry, 750,000, high-res photos in their archive, which is insane. So you can imagine that if you compress those by even 25%, the amount of you know data that you're saving is huge on a per-user basis. So um, I, you got to give them, like the other thing that I, I think this is great yeah. is it's kudos, right? Where it's like, there's a lot of talk that websites, or sorry, websites, companies, brands, all want to be carbon neutral. Obviously um, being, um, you know, green as a company is as a trend that will continue and for good reason so you got to give them you know a shout out for basically saying hey listen we we acknowledge that we're not doing right we know what the problem is and we're going to let you know that you can also try to fix this so i i was also like you know most companies would probably be like we're not going to share this or like you know we'll we'll start to work on it so i thought that them turning this into an opportunity was also really cool um and they also mentioned that for their uh, image optimization, they actually used uh, the yeah. WebP format. Um, and they also did a bunch of an audit of uh, third-party scripts. So without getting too into the weeds for people that are a little bit more on the visual design side, um, third-party scripts is basically anything you put on your you know, anything that you put on your site that serves a function. Think like, you know, a chat, chat support. Um, what you don't realize is that you don't really have control over like how big that piece of JavaScript is to get that, uh, function on your website to ha you know actually work. So that's the other thing is like if you go through the list of all of the third-party um, scripts you're using, chances are there's a lot that you're not using, and that's like a really other common place is images. And then uh, doing a third-party audit is always super helpful to find ways to. Speed yeah, I think up that's one interesting thing is when it comes. I mean, images is a like no-brainer for me, like of, in terms of optimization. But when it comes to like typography and fonts, like obviously the more stuff you add, which is custom. Uh, that requires to be downloaded from somewhere. And this is where a lot of um, 
the CO2 is being generated, basically. So as designers, we always want to be unique in, in the way, the things that we produce to be creative. But this is like with the web, especially, um, where we draw the line of um, form follows function. You know, like I think it's like the 10 rules of design. Um, and one of them is being like ethical or considerate to like the environment or the environmental impact. Of, of like what we create mm-hmm. uh you know it's like because we have all these devices but they're really hard to recycle and there's so many things that we could contribute um but yeah now this is uh, what i do like again like as you said is design are using like a case study of themselves it, it kind of reminds me of like eminem in eight mile where he basically disses himself at the end of the battle so it's like you you can't say nothing <laughs> about me what, what are you going to say uh, in some respects but i actually think it's a, like, yeah. in all seriousness i think if you want to convince other people to do it, it's like, look, we're making a mistake. We are doing bad things. This is how we're going to fix ourselves. And you're giving actionable things. So I think whenever like the design talks or design articles I like is they'll give you a bunch of theory. They'll give you a bunch of um, maybe thinker wagging, I don't know if that's the right, correct, translatable term. But basically very, you know, semi-condescending saying you lot need to do this. But in this case, they're actually saying, no, we need to do this and so do you. And here's how we're going to do it. And this is how we actually... Um, assessed our site so actually again like respect because uh, not many companies would be so open about it uh, but it just adds to their um, credibility yeah. as an organization who thinks about these kind of subjects yeah and if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're in a similar you know role or you're making a decision or maybe you're i know we have a lot of uh, freelance designers that listen to design huddle um if, if this is you, there's a lot of places you can get started. If you just type in like ways to optimize your website, there's a million resources that'll come up. Um, we'll drop in a few um, in the speaker notes and uh, just to kind of, you know, tie a bow on this last one. So uh, Dizen basically ends the article by saying, you know, we're committed to being better. Uh, the carbon footprint of our website will no longer be pushed to the back of our minds. Um, and we'll keep you posted on our progress, which I love. It's just, we, we're owning it. Uh, we're not going to like, you know, push it off. We're going to face the problem head on and we're going to let you know how it goes. And hopefully they'll share some learnings from this because um, I just love this approach. I love that they're bringing something that a lot of companies, you know, and people push to the back of their mind on the forefront. And, you know, all things considered, if we can get more of the of the web um, being carbon neutral or, you know, obviously lowering our carbon footprint, I think that's good for everyone. Yes, so, um, yeah. Thanks. This is a phenomenal article. Thanks for yeah, flagging this one. Um, any any closing thoughts on, uh, on this one? No, I think, again, it's like the, the small things that we can do. Obviously, like if you're a designer who works with engineers and don't have um, too much of a coding background, or even if you do, uh, there's a whole bunch of tools on there. Um, and like the way we've created the web historically from a designer's point of view is performance, accessibility even, has always been an afterthought. Like just because the tradition of graphic design, which a lot of... Right web designers and UX designers originate from, not all, but a lot, um, we were never really taught about this side of computer science of performance, designing with performance in mind, designing with these things. And now I think it's come to the point of ethical considerations. In Silicon Valley, we like to say, how might we? But maybe we should be saying, should we? So that's my thought for the for this one. Whoa, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, awesome. Phenomenal episode coming in hot. <laughs> for our first time co-hosting obviously we've known each other coming in hot from very cold um, london <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the 
yeah, the Northeast in, you know, of the of the states is not much warmer. But um, so just to summarize, we talked about the McDonald's and Burger King rebrands. We talked about how influencers are getting too close to gorillas and potentially spreading uh, COVID-19. And we just wrapped up with websites, uh, carbon footprint, how you can be more thoughtful about uh, you know the websites that you create. So yeah, that's it. Uh, let's tie it up. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Design Huddle. We're going to be dropping new episodes um, every Monday, uh, 9 a.m. We're going to be covering at least like three topics. If you're interested in sending us, you know, topics or you want to be interviewed as part of Design Huddle, please follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. And uh, yeah, well, thank you. Thanks much, for Dave. joining. Catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.